really matters, does it? Does it not matter to God? Before we get going, how many of you are ready for this message? How many of you are ready for God's word? Come on. Amen. 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 Well, family does matter to God. And we've been talking about all sorts of things. This is our first, our fourth message. And last week we said, may you bless your family. How many of you know it's important for us to engage and be uh, intentional about blessing our family? That we have the power and the authority to bless our family. Why? Because God gave it to us. And God, God gives a father, a mother, authority to bless our families. Today I want to talk to you about trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord and his goodness. Now I want you, I want you to think about something with me for a second. When you hear the word trust, uh, and we talk about relationships, isn't trust one of the most important things? Trust is so important in a relationship. If you break trust in a relationship, your relationship's going to suffer. It is. And so trust is so important and you can build it over years and years and years. And it can only take one moment to tear it all down. It only takes one moment to tear it all down. And that's why it has to be, it has to be guarded, it has to be cherished, it has to be protected. Because trust has to happen before you can truly love. You can, you cannot truly love until there's trust. And so, so when you, when you talk about loving God and having a trust relationship with him, what you're saying is, I trust your love for me, Lord. I've come to know you and I've gotten to know you so well that I realize I can trust you. And because I can trust you, I feel comfortable. I feel secure. I feel completely loved. See, love drives out all fear. Think about that. And when you trust and your trust turns into knowing God to the point that you love him, that means you, you have a complete supreme confidence in him, then that fear is gone. The Bible says that in 1 John chapter 4, love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with falling short. Fear has to do with insecurity. But yet when you have confidence in God, then you connect with the fact that God wants better for you and your family than you want for your, you and your family. And so today I'm going to hit that head on because I've been sharing that over and over and over this, this past sermon series. I've been saying, God loves your family more than you love your family. God wants to bless you more than, than, than you want to be blessed. God wants the very best for you, but sometimes it's hard to trust God. Let's just be honest. And I believe sometimes the reason it's hard to trust God is because we don't know him. So there may be someone here in this room that, that's having trouble trusting God, but that's because you don't know him. If you really knew him and you could know how much he cares for you. And that's what Paul says to the church in if, uh, Ephesus when he says, now to him who is able to do what exceedingly. And abundantly, above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. That means that God's thoughts for you are far beyond your thoughts for you. God loves you beyond what you could, you could even imagine. God wants to blow you away. But you've got to connect with his love. Do you realize that right prior to that verse in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 20, if you go down some, he talks about connecting with the just a glimpse, just catching a glimpse of God's love. You know what I love about Paul? He's saying you don't even need, you, there's no way you'll be able to, to, to comprehend the vastness of his love. You're going to need an upgrade in heaven to do that. 
God's going to upgrade our software, so to speak, right? He's going to give us new bodies. He's going to give us a a resurrected mind and a soul. And he's going to save our spirit. And we're going to be with him. And then we'll be able to comprehend the fullness of his love. We will know even as we are known, the Bible says. But but prior to that, Paul says, you just need a glimpse of it. You get a taste of how high and how long and how deep and how wide his love is. You realize he's saying, I need you to connect on a four dimensional level with the beauty and awesomeness of God. Some say, pastor, that's just the three dimension. I'll get to either way. God wants you to connect with his love because when you do, then you begin to understand that his plans are good plans for you. Isn't that what Jeremiah says? That's one of my favorite verses. Come on, if this is one of your life verses, raise your hand. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you realize that that is a beautiful verse? And I like reading it out of the New King James Version because I memorized it in the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But instead of plans, what if you substitute the word thoughts? For I know the thoughts I have for you and the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you what? A future and a hope. Do you know that's the way God thinks of you? He also goes on to say in the book of of Psalms 84, verse 11, he says this, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Now that, that, that speaks of of protection, does it not? He wants to protect us. He's our sun and our shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So God is saying, I know the thoughts I have for you. They're good thoughts. I want to give you something beautiful. And then he says, I want to protect you. I want to be a shield and a sun over you. I want to watch over you all the days of your life. And I will withhold no good thing from you. I want to pour it on you. I want to give you above and beyond. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, I love this stuff. Wow, I came on the right Sunday. But how many of you know we need some balance to this as well? That means what? We got to lower it some? No, we've got to get the perspective of what God is saying here because sometimes we think, okay, my thoughts instead of his thoughts. See, immediately we transpose that. We kind of, we've kind of put our own uh, interpretation on that verse. For I know the thoughts I have for you, declares the Lord. And we say, okay, Lord, your thoughts, my thoughts, eh, whatever, let's just. Because we try to get ahead of God and say, Lord, okay, here are my thoughts. And we join up with another scripture that says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you what? The desires of your heart. So Lord, here are my desires. You promise that your thoughts are good towards me and you want to give me a hope and a future. Therefore, hook it up, God. Hook it up. Come on. Hook a brother up. Here we go, Lord. Let's do this. But then God becomes more of a genie, does he not? Where you rub him the right way and he gives you exactly what you want. But that's not God. God is a mighty, awesome king of battle, king of glory. And this mighty, awesome God, creator of the universe, loves you personally. He wants a relationship. He doesn't want to just be your genie. Matter of fact, he doesn't want to be your genie at all. 
He wants to be your loving heavenly father. And so we need to go back to this and we need to understand that he is our son and our shield. That means he's a protector and we'll unfold this in just a second. But first I want to take you to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Uh Uh-oh. So when God says my thoughts towards you are good thoughts, but our thoughts don't match. That means... My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. After all, we shouldn't be saying, Lord, why don't you conform your thoughts to mine? We should say, Lord, conform my thoughts to yours and my ways to yours. Let me follow in your way. Teach me your way. Because after all, you are the way, the truth, and the life, not me. You are Lord. So therefore, I must die to myself and take on your ways and your thoughts. And when I trust your thoughts and your ways, then I connect with your love and understand that you want to do far and exceedingly above what I could have ever dreamed of. And then you take that back to the other verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And you start realizing that that verse can be interpreted a different way. It could actually be interpreted Lord, you're not going to give me what I desire. You're going to give me what I ought to desire. You're going to what? You're going to take my desires, sacrifice those, and you're going to replace them with your desires. Now, all of a sudden, I love what you love. I think the way you think. Uh Uh-oh. How does that happen? The holy exchange takes place right here. The Bible says as you what? Read his word, he will renew your mind. That's your soul. Your soul is renewed day by day as God gives you him. That's called a beautiful relationship that Christianity is all about. And so I just want to I just want to concentrate, trust his thoughts. Trust his thoughts. That's my first point. If you put the word thoughts up there, write that down. You can also download all the slides today if you just go to the app. Thoughts, God's thoughts, not my thoughts. See, for I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you hope in a future. But I want to conclude by reading 12 and 13. If you've never read 12 and 13, that's the secret to the whole verse. Watch this. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search me. What? With all of your heart. So God says the whole point is for us to have communication and a relationship. I want to know you. I want you to know me. But you've got to search me with everything you got. Seek me with all of your heart. Do you realize that this is found also in the book of Proverbs? When the wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus, he put it this way. He said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Isn't that what Jeremiah just said? Read it with me. And you will what? Search for me or seek me with all of your heart. King Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding. That means it's not about your thoughts. Lean on what? God's thoughts. But how do I know God's thoughts? You get God, you get in God's word and you start spending some time in his word and you start saying, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? 
What do you have for me? But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will unfold his plan for you. He will start doing amazing things. Do you realize that Jesus based his whole ministry on this very, 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 very point? Read with me in the book of of Matthew. I was going to say in the book of Jesus. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. Notice, what did Jeremiah say? Seek. What did Solomon say? Search him. Lean not on your understanding. Jesus is saying, seek me with all of your heart and my kingdom. You say, wait a minute. How do you put the word heart in there? He didn't talk about the heart. You've got to go up a few verses. He started the chapter with this. He said, you cannot love me and the other guy. You can't love me and the God of this world, materialism and money, mammon. You've got to choose. I want your whole heart because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore, treasure me and give me your heart and seek me with all of your heart and my kingdom. And what is he saying? I will pour on you such a blessing. You won't be able to receive it. You won't be able to receive it. So some of us are saying, okay, pastor, you've convinced me of God's heart and God's thoughts that his thoughts are better than my thoughts. What's the next part of it? Timing. Timing. Some of us have not connected with the idea, and I'm the biggest one here. I have a hard time with patience. Anyone else have a hard time with patience? Some of you are superstitious. Did you know that? That needs to die today. That needs to die today. Who's ever heard this little nonsense of don't pray for patience? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. Raise your hand if you've ever caught yourself saying that. Don't pray for patience. Can I tell you that superstitious nonsense has no place in a Christian life? No place in a Christian life. That's not Christianity. Why? Because love is patient and love is kind. And if you want to connect with God's love, you say, God, show me how to be patient that I may be in love with you, God. That I may be in love with you, God. You say, oh, but then he's going to wreck your house. I don't know if he's going to wreck my house, but I know if it needs wrecking, maybe it needs wrecking. Amen? And so, so we need to be able to pray for patience and say, Lord, I'm a, I struggle in this area because my, my desire is always to go faster. Now, I don't drive fast. I drive very slow, but, but, but I always want things. Yeah, I'm, I'm, making, I'm making it better for the other day, remember? Can I just tell you something that happened the other day? After I preached that, my father-in-law comes to me. How many of you know you got to love family? No, I'm serious. And you, and you have to be, you got to be humble. And my father-in-law comes to me and he says, hey, Chris, I need to talk to you. See, and there's, there's a difference when he talks to me is, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you. And hey, Chris, you're, you're my, I'm your father-in-law. And so he has authority as my father-in-law. And he comes to me and he says, I need you to understand what I'm saying to you, son. You got to start driving safer and better and I don't ever want to hear that you're doing that because you're too valuable to your family. Uh-oh. And more importantly, your children are going to learn from you. All of a sudden, I just swallowed deep. And I said, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. Enough said. It's done. Because that's important. 
to be able to be corrected. But that's not my point today. My point is about patience. (laughs) Thanks, father-in-law. I love you. And my my point is about patience. Come on. How many of us have a hard time with patience? How many of us grew up with always wanting to go faster, especially in this competitive environment of America? We want to go faster, bigger, stronger, go, 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 push, 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 don't we? And I can remember always wanting a go-kart when I was little. But my family, we grew up poor. There's no way in the world my dad would have won, uh, got us a goat cart, bought us one. So it was up to me to win it. So what I did is I remember walking into Super S store here in Bastrop, Texas. I walked into Super S store. You say, what is Super S? It's like a small little version of H-E-B. It was before H-E-B came and put them out of business. So, so Super S had this display of coca-cola and i'll never forget walking in and just i just heard oh and it was just huge to the ceiling it felt like and right in the middle was this go-kart and it and it said classic coke or coke or i don't know what it said on it but it was red and yellow and and white it was beautiful keith and i said i want that cart and it said this can be yours sign up here drawing on such and such date i said oh man this is my big chance right lord in the name of jesus god help me get this and some of us pray this way lord in the name of jesus i'm going to trust you for this but then we take the whole pack and we go home and we sign them all up so i said lord i'm going to trust you but i'm going to help you out a little bit isn't that the way we do god we say lord i'm trusting you but then we're going behind the scenes trying to work it out in our own strength and so I filled out every pack and I put them all in. Then it came in. I said, my brother's in. We all dropped them in there. And then I grabbed another pack, Jaime. And then every time my mom would go to the store, she'd go, I'm going to the store. I'll go with you. <laughs> and we'd get the pack and we'd fill them all out and we'd put them in there. Finally, the day came and my dad says, Chris, you're not going to believe it. And I said, try me. He says, you won the car. I said, hallelujah to God. And then he said, son, you don't know how to drive a car. I said, I know everything I need to know. Come on, dad. You're not going to keep me from my blessing. And then I said, I wanted to get in that car. And boy, I got in that car. And and I, and he said, I don't want you to take it past this. And he, cause the, 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 the gas was on, on the gear. I mean, on the, on the steering wheel. He said, he put a mark and then he put a, a little deal. He said, I don't want you to go past here. And you know what I did, Grant? I just creep past it creep past it and by the time it was done i had it i had it going all out i was full throttle going down and we were right here over here at the church primera baptist church in the big ball field they have a ball field and we were doing circles and and i was going and then i come by the 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 truck and i lost control i got nervous and i hit the tailgate and if it had not been for the steering wheel it would have decapitated me or crushed my chest and i wouldn't be here today I can remember my dad grabbed me out of the car and he's like, oh my goodness, are you okay? I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. But my car, it's broken. He said, son, that's why I told you not to go beyond that mark. And when he looked, it was full throttle. He said, son, how many of us know the Lord is a son and a shield? And he says to you sometimes, no good thing will I withhold except sometimes he knows what's good for you. No, 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 no. Not sometimes. 
See, I say that to prove the point that we think that way. Lord, only sometimes you know what's good for me. No, all the time. He knows what's good for you. And he knows exactly what speed you should go in your life. And sometimes we want to do more, 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 more. Oh God, just give me more. Just give me more. And then if we don't learn the lesson, we're, we're, it's just like me. I told my dad, fix the car. I promise I'll be good. I promise I'll be good. He fixed the car. He, he put it to where I couldn't go past that point. And so what I did is I took a little hammer when he wasn't looking and I... And then he had put a rubber band back here and I took the little rubber band off and I floored it going around the corner. I flipped it with my brother in it, my other brother and a friend. You say, how many people do you get in a go-kart? They were seating where there were no, they were sitting where there were no seats. It's a Hispanic family. Remember (laughs) some of you are going, you can't say that. I don't buy into all of that nonsense. I know this, that God is good and he saved our lives. He saved our lives. You know why? I came out with a scraped face. My brother scraped his whole back. The car flipped so many times. We skid across into the neighbor's yard. My dad said, what are you doing? He came and checked the throttle. It was See, some of us want to go through life that way and God keeps pulling us back because he knows he has to protect us from ourselves. How so? Stay with me on this. Sometimes we're not ready and it all, it's all about timing. Timing is everything, is it not? Timing is everything. Sometimes he knows that that blessing will give us a big head. He knows that that blessing will distract us because we want that blessing because secretly out of the corner of our eye, we're looking at others. And we're saying, I want what they have and I want what they have. And we start comparing ourselves. And before long, God has to say, hey, 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 look at me, not at them. Look at me, not at them. Not only do we get a big head, not only can we get proud, not only can we get arrogant, but it also brings out, do you realize, listen to me very closely here, blessings bring out insecurities. They bring out insecurities because when you get blessed, the person that's truly secure has no problem being humble, but the one who's not secure will be proud in a heartbeat. Why? Because they have to build themselves up. Because they want people to to feel they're important. Why do they need people to feel they're important? Because they want to feel important. And so God sees this and God knows this. And some of us right here, right now, are secretly upset with God. We're secretly agitated at God. We're secretly uh, frustrated with God. Can I tell you a secret? It's not a secret. No, really, I'm going to tell you a secret. It's not a secret. God knows. He knows you're upset. He knows you're frustrated. He knows you're agitated. He knows you want to go faster. And he's saying, I'm going to be a sun and shield to you because ultimately you matter more to me than what you have or what you do. You matter to me. And so this is very, 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 very important, guys. We have to get this deep down in our heart that God loves us Based on our relationship with him and who you are, not on what you do for him. And sometimes we want to go faster 
that is good for us. Do you know what I'm saying to you? This is important because the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, he's blessing the children of Israel, his, his nation. And he says this to them, you shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, but you will destroy them. He goes on to say, you won't be able to destroy them all at once, but I'm going to give you their cities. I'm going to give you their vineyards. I'm going to give you their olive groves. I'm going to give you their fortified fortresses. I'm going to give you everything but it's going to be in, a, in my timing. And what does he say about his timing? Read it real so, slow with me. Little by little. Do you realize what God is saying is I want you to patiently learn to love me. Because more important than what you have is who you are and your relationship with me. And I want your relationship with me to base, be based on pure love. And love is patient. And I want you to patiently trust me so that you might say, as the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. But listen to what he said before he uttered those words. He said, I've learned how to not be anxious. I've learned how to bring everything before God in prayer and supplication. I've learned how to have a lot and not have it affect me. I've learned how to have nothing and not have it affect me. I've learned how to trust God because he is my joy. He is my joy. And so you can give it to me. You can take it from me. It doesn't matter what this world does. I'm saying steady. I can do all things through God who strengthens me, who Christ who strengthens me. He finishes with this. Because my God who is in heaven will supply for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And there will never be a thing I lack to do what he's called me to do. Therefore, I can trust in it. I can trust in it. But if you're anything like me, Sometimes you're like, come on, Lord, let's get this show on the road. Let's get this show on the road. If you would only get with your part, Lord, you need to hook it up. We need to bless this ministry. We got a town to reach. How many of you know he could reach this town like that? But he's interested in a relationship that you might truly know him. Know him. Little by little, we'll uncover this a little bit more. But first, let's talk about this idea of knowing him. The Bible says in the book of 1 Samuel 3, 1, the Bible says, Now Samuel the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli. But if you drop down to verse 7, the Bible also says this. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. So it is possible to minister for the Lord and to the Lord, but not know the Lord. Hello. You might be here today having served, having worked, having been taught, but never experienced a real relationship. That's important. It's important because real trust will bring you to knowing God. And it is about knowing his thoughts. How do I know his thoughts here It's about timing, understanding his timing and that he goes little by little because he's trying to build something in you. He's trying to build your trust in him that y'all might have a loving relationship that's built on real knowledge of who he is. 
See, the Bible says in that same Sermon on the Mount that we've been quoting from, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, for many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not, what, cast out demons in your name? Didn't we not do many miracles in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Do you realize how important it is to know God? To really know God. Because knowing God is developing that trust. And you know what else is involved in that trust? And that timing is not just do you trust God, but can God trust you? Can God trust you? See, sometimes, sometimes we trust ourselves more than we should. Am, am I right? We trust ourselves more than we should and we get a big head and we start thinking more of our abilities. Than we, but, but God knows our abilities perfectly and so if he needs to slow us down, he'll slow us down. And he'll make us go little by little. I can remember thinking this when I was in Colorado last time and I thought, man, I should be way further along and I think I am pretty far along. I'm a good skier now. Why? Because I'm a good athlete. And you start feeling better than you are and you're like, I'm a good athlete. And you look at somebody, instead of looking at God, you start looking at other people and go, Lord, I can do what they can do. And you start sizing people up and going, look at that guy. He's I know he's not as good an athlete as me. If he can ski down the mountain and he can do those fancy things and he can go fast, I can go fast. Do you know where this is headed? Yeah, when I tumble down the mountain, he's the one that scoops me up and says, sir, are you okay? It looks like you broke something. And I said, man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I was trying to keep up with you. He says, let me guess, you're from Texas. No, I'm serious. That's what he says to me. You're from Texas. And I think he meant Texans have big heads. Like, I think that's exactly what he meant. But he goes, you're from Texas. He goes, look, you you don't do this every day like I do. I've been skiing since I was maybe more, maybe less. You know, I I don't know. He said, since I was little bitty. I was as big as I could walk. I was skiing, you know, and I've been skiing. I got a membership here and I ski twice a week and I'm going, oh, and then God says to me, you know, that's like when you go to church for a couple of weeks and you've been faithful for a couple of weeks and you've given your tithe for a couple of weeks and now you think you can go take on the devil. And now you think you're ready for God to just put you on fast forward and begin unleashing all these blessings in your life. Do you realize when God gives you blessings, you show up on the enemy's radar Because those blessings that God gives you are for his purpose and for his kingdom and for his glory. And the minute the enemy sees that, it says, I gotta, I gotta put a stop to this. Or this cat might think that he's something and start thinking he's Billy Graham. I gotta put a stop to this. So he shows up and he starts coming against you. Some of us have gotten ahead of ourselves. Come on, tumble down the mountain. Now we're discouraged and we think God doesn't love us. It's not that God doesn't love us. You need to learn to trust him and let him reveal to you that little by little, he will build what he's doing in your life. Little by little, he's building what he's doing in this church. Little by little. And you know what? I stand sometimes and I go, Lord, come on, God, let's move, Lord. It's time to reach fast drop, Lord. And God is saying, I don't care about all of that before I care about you. You. No, no, seriously. That's something I had to learn as a pastor. That God 
is interested in saving the world, yes, but not at the expense of losing me. God doesn't care as much what I do for him as he does about who I am with him. With him. So sometimes we forget that he works little by little. And we learn to despise the day of small beginnings because the prophet says never despise the day of small beginnings. God will start off slow and do something great. Can I tell you, family, he wants to do something great in your life. And you might be here today saying, but my business is taking so long. My career is taking so long. My education is taking so long. My family's taking so long. I look around. Stop looking around. Look at him. Stop looking around. Look at him. Stop looking around, look at him, because when I look around, it's easy for the enemy to distract me and say, but look what I'm doing, look what God's doing in that church, and look what God's doing in that church, and look what God's doing in that church. Instead, I need to say, Lord, what do you want to do in this church? And he keeps reminding me, little by little, faithful by faithfulness, little by little, step by step, just one day at a time, one day at a time. And when you look up and you look over your career, you start to see, wow, Lord, look what you did, because I know for a fact it wasn't me. God, you raised raised us up and little by little we gathered people and dollar by dollar we saved we purchased 37 acres here on the highway in in cash can you imagine what that would take today little by little we 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 built the building little by little we added to it little by little we've we added a sports court out there little by little we saved one or two do you realize that i started thinking the other day lord what good is this sports court why did i do this and then today today stephen walks up to me the young man we prayed for and gave his life to christ and not just him but some of his friends and now more and more of those guys are coming in and god is saying little by little Little by little, and if you trust me, it may not be just your generation, it may be his generation, the next generation, but I'm going to raise up mighty men and women for God, if you trust me, little by little. And look what's going on, because it's easy to get ahead of God and to say, oh Lord, I'm not satisfied. I can remember one day when God begins to, to, uh, to work on my heart, it was, it was literally how long ago, six years, five years ago, I started getting really, really antsy inside and I was secretly upset with God. I didn't think he knew. And I'm asking for inspiration for a message on a Saturday night. I'm asking for inspiration. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. I just, and then God says, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. I just need your help with this message. I didn't say like that. I said, no, Lord, nothing's wrong. But if you could help me with the message, I just need, I need a spark of, of insight, something. He says, what's wrong? No, God, nothing really, seriously, what's wrong? I said, well, I, I feel like, you know, maybe, I, I, I don't know. You just, I want more, I want more, I want more. Come on, anyone here that, that has struggles with patience, always wants faster, bigger, stronger, better? And God says, okay, uh, what do you want? I said, I, I want to have what some other pastors have. He says, so you're the older brother in the, rich, in the, uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son. I said, no, God, I just want, yeah, you just want the fatted calf. Go get the fatted calf. Do whatever you need to do. He says, but then you'll figure out 
Just like he figured out in the parable, it's not about the fatted calf or throwing parties or having bigger. It's about me. I'm here for you. I said, okay, Lord. He said to me, listen to me very closely. He said, are you willing to trust me? I said, yes, Lord, I'll trust you. He said, will you trust me wherever I send you? I said, yes, Lord. He said, then stay right there where you are. And he began to reveal something to me that Years ago, my dad had suffered basically from the same thing. He had a midlife crisis of some sort and he started wanting more and he moved his family to Houston from Bastrop into the backyard of Satan and our whole family was torn apart. Whole family was torn apart. We're here by the grace of God. Pastors get attacked super strong. Why? Because with bigger levels come bigger devils. And you have to trust God's timing. So God reminded me of my, my dad's experience. And he said, do you want to do that with your family or will you trust me? I said, I'll trust you, Lord. He said, then stay right where you're at, but settle this with me today. I said, I'm staying Lord. And it's for my children. And this is what he said to me. He said, you're not ready. There's some things I'm working out in you, Pastor Chris. Because to me, you're just Chris. I got up. I said, yes, Lord. That happened Saturday night, Monday morning. I get a call from a big time minister. He seats 10,000 in one auditorium. He helicopters to another auditorium. He preaches over there. He's about to retire. He's selling some property. They've gotten a lot of money. They want to launch a network of 20 super mega churches is what he said. And I've outlined some places that I think you'd be perfect for. I've got a church of 8,000 in Arizona or a church of 5,000 in San Diego that I'd love for you to pastor. I settled it Saturday. Do you think God had that conversation with me? Coincidentally? Can I tell you what conversation is God trying to have with you? This is my story. What about your story? What are you feeling like? God, you're holding me back. God, I want to do more. God, what is going on? What? And God is saying, trust my timing. Trust my timing because ultimately I want you to pass the test. See, something you need to understand is that not only does are his thoughts different? Not only is his timing important, but the enemy will test you. Several, several Sundays ago, I preached that on spiritual warfare. And when God uses the word beasts of the fields or birds of the air, he's not always talking just physically. He's talking spiritually about demonic forces. And this is what he says. Little by little, you're going to take the ground, but you're not going to take it too quick or the beasts of the field will overwhelm you. And this is exactly what happens in our life. Little by little, you've got to build your faith. Little by little, you've got to become the man and the woman I've called you to be. Little by little, your family has to grow in unity and strength because the, because the beasts of the field are coming after you. Because the demons are going to notice. Because they're going to see the calling of my, of my name upon your life. And they're going to try everything they can to snuff it out. But I will be with you. 
And no one should fear them because of what? Because if I have declared it, my hand will perform it. But you got to trust my timing. Ultimately, trust his timing. And if you trust his timing, little by little, you walk it out. One day, you'll look back and someone will say, man, you're an overnight success. How did you do that? And I'm going, what? Did you not see all that we went through? And how many times I prayed to the Lord, Lord, why are you going so slow? And God is saying, I'm a sun and shield. This is where I finish. I finish with this. For the eyes of the Lord range to and fro, looking for those whose hearts are set on him, that he may strengthen them. There's also a verse in the book of Song of Solomon that says, Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness? Leaning upon her beloved. This is what Israel was supposed to do, lean on her beloved. This is what we as the church are supposed to do. This is the example that John the Baptist, not John the Baptist, John the disciple, the disciple whom the Lord loved, he leaned on the he leaned on the Lord as they were partaking of the Lord's Supper. Can I tell you that's my heart today? Lord, I trust you with my family, I trust you with this church and I trust you with my life. I want to lean on your breast. I want to lean on your chest. I want to lean on your shoulder. I want to lean on your understanding, not mine, because your thoughts are greater than mine. I want to learn to trust you that I may love you, Lord, and your love will drive out all fear. Lord, little by little, I want to experience your goodness as I get to see my children minister in your house. This past week, little by little, we've been baptizing. Little by little, I look back and I see the goodness of God's hand upon my life. Now this is my testimony, what's yours? Little by little. You say, what happened? Pastor Raquel got baptized when she was six or seven years old. She said, Dad, I thought I understood what that salvation was. But not like I do today. Back then I was a child saying, I love you, Lord. Today I'm an adult saying, God, I love you and I put my trust in you. And so I want to go through believer's baptism. We had over 20 young people get baptized. You want to know the beautiful part is? The beautiful part is that little by little, he's been raising up men and women of faith because I wasn't the one baptizing them. You were. They got to choose who they wanted to baptize them and they chose people that have been speaking into their life. Little by little, God is raising up men and women of faith. Little by little, he's making us a disciple-making church. Little by little, we are preparing and he is forming the foundation for something great as he uses us to reach this community. Little by little, we believe, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we lean on you. Thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us. We love you with all our heart. Amen. Father, you are good.
Lord Jesus, let it be all about you. Amen. I love you, church. Have a great week.